my big question. As the Stiller season kicks off Monday night at the New York Football Giants. Who's going to be the tackle eligible now? Who's going to check in? Who's going to get the cheap pop at home? Oh, wait. No fans means no pop, so it don't matter. Okay, so Pittsburgh will win at New York Monday night. Pittsburgh will cover five and a half. Pittsburgh will start out 1-0 and then host Denver and be 2-0. So... I got a feeling Pittsburgh's going to the Super Bowl. This is the Mark Madden Show. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one. Or you can tweet me at Mark Madden X. What a show today. I got Craig Wolfley at 3.30. That's the best football talking time. I got Andy Benoit to talk NFL at 4.30. I got our expert handicapper at 5.15, and at 5.30, I got Brian Pillman Jr. Son of my late and great friend, Brian Pillman. Brian Jr. is working the big IWC wrestling show at Wild Things Ballpark in Washington, PA, tomorrow night, part of the annual Super Indie Tournament by IWC. But it's going to be awesome football talk all day long. Awesome Steelers talk all day long right here on the Mark Madden Show. Now, there's one thing I want to get straight, especially since I made fun of him right off the bat when today's show started. Zach Banner talks too much for a jabroni, but he earned that job at right tackle, and he might do okay because he knows his leash ain't long. Banner said it himself about the game on Monday, quote, if I suck, I'm done, unquote. And that might be true. I have more faith in Zach Banner than I do in Juju. Because Zach Banner may be a jabroni, but he's a football player. He's a pro. So credit where it's due to Zach Banner and a modicum of respect for winning the job at right tackle. Let's see how long he can hold on to it. But it's a good thing that Giants defense don't have a great front seven because that Steelers offensive line is already beat up and raggedy. I bet Wisniewski does okay, though, in the Castro's place. So, last night, Kansas City beat Houston 34-20. The over-under was 53.5. Let's see. 34 plus 20 equals 54. Those interested thereof may have noted that Kansas City kicked the field goal with 30 seconds left to cover. Dude, take a knee. Well, you probably kept a lot of people happy. I just would have been under, but was lucky enough to forget to get a bet down. Clyde Edwards Alaire, that rookie from LSU, he rushed for a buck 38 for KC, and he was lightning. On Sunday, we got a couple great games Cleveland at Baltimore, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Those results will be remembered at season's end. Uh, I'm rooting against Tom Brady. No point masking that. Because if Brady wins a Super Bowl in Tampa, he transcends the Patriots, and I don't think that's right. And I've just had enough of Brady. All the old-timey quarterbacks, Brady, Rodgers, Rivers, 
Not Ben. I like Ben. I like his new TV series, Breaking Ben. But mostly, I want the old-timey quarterbacks to go away. We got Mahomes. We got Watson. The old-timey guys need to get out the way. Tampa's going to win like nine games. Tampa's going to get a wild card. I bet Tampa starts out slow, and I bet New Orleans beats Tampa on Sunday, and I bet New Orleans covers three and a half. I also bet Baltimore beats Cleveland, but I bet Cleveland covers eight because that's a lot of points in week one. And I bet Cleveland comes out running the ball. They got Chubb and Hunt. They got those two new tackles. And Stefanski, the new Browns coach, he don't trust Mayfield. Cleveland is going to be a running team. So let's see how Baltimore handles that. So that will end up being a close game, but Baltimore wins. Boy, when Cleveland runs a lot, OBJ is going to crap all over that. Turnabout is fair play. And also a stinky cologne in this case. Dallas is at the LA Rams. That's a good game too. Arizona at San Francisco. Can Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins click? Uh, Pittsburgh is going to win and cover. But it wouldn't shock me if the Giants cover. It would shock me if the Giants won. But a Tomlin team is good for a loss like this every year favored on the road. I bet Ben comes out rusty. I'm not sure about the Steelers' running game, but I am sure about the defense. Let's stick with that game at New York because Steelers-Giants has a lot of storylines. We think Ben can do it. We almost know Ben can do it, but it's been a long time since the Book of Love. We still want to see him do it. We want confirmation after major Reconstructive elbow surgery. Can Ben still zip the ball to the sidelines during a live game? That's a good question. That's what determines. I bet he can, but we haven't seen it. I like the Giants' new coach, Joe Judge. He's a Belichick guy, so he's a slave to fundamentals and efficiency. Judge is an innovator. They're playing that defensive system with three safeties. And who knows, Judge might have something else up his sleeve for his debut game as a head coach in the National Football League. They got Barkley. He might be the best back in the league, but the Giants stink. They've only won 12 games over the last three seasons, so the Steelers are ripe for that road favorite upset loss. Okay, not really, because the Giants have three new players on the O-line. Daniel Jones, their quarterback, if the Steelers get to him, He fumbles all over the place. 18 fumbles last year in 13 games. The Steelers' defense is amazing. The Giants' defense is better. It's rebuilt. The Steelers are suspect vis-a-vis the run on both sides of the ball. But even if Barkley goes nuts, I don't think he can go nuts enough. So I got the Steelers to win and cover. uh, Wait, six, it says here, is the number now. Steelers favored by six. The over-under is... 46.5, and and I kind of like the under. But I still can't get over that Andy Reid, the Chiefs coach, he must have had big money on the over last night, so he kicked the field goal with 30 seconds left to cover. I'm kidding, but not really, because there was no other reason to kick a field goal there besides to go over. 
The game's won. It's decided. You just take an E. Stuff like that makes people rightly suspicious. Uh, Dallas beat Vegas in OT last night, Stanley Cup playoffs. 3-2. Radulov scored just 31 seconds into overtime. That was a hell of a game. I mostly watched hockey because hockey wasn't saturated with social justice. I'll talk more about that later. So that series, the Western Conference Final, is two games to one in favor of Dallas. Dallas is playing better than I thought they could. You got the Islanders in Tampa tonight, and if the Islanders are going to get back in the series, tonight is must win for them being down two games to none. By the way, Robin Lehner, the Vegas goalie, reportedly has a five-year contract extension in place, so that paves the way for Mark andre Fleury to go, well, somewhere. Oh, wait, it says here now that Lehner is saying there is not an extension. Could be lying. 412-333-WXDX. Tonight we got high school football in Western PA, and that's good because I feared the worst. You owe it to the kids to try. Fan access is limited, like two tickets per kid, up to 250 spectators on each side of the field in the stands. I think that's what it is. It may vary from school to school and stadium to stadium. Uh, I saw somewhere that with a lot of schools, seniors get preference if the roster is real big and ticket availability is limited, and that's okay because the main thing is for the kids to play. It's for the kids, not the parents, no matter what half the parents may think. I always think of Don Billingsley's dad in Friday Night Lights who thought the entire course of your life was charted by what happened your senior year in football. Tim McGraw played the dad. He did a good job. But look, high school football games are played outdoors, so why not fit in as many people as you can, as long as masks are worn and social distancing is observed. Like in restaurants. That's just common sense to me. I have not yet started watching Ted Lasso on Apple TV, where an American football coach becomes an English football coach. But I posted a blog yesterday, and the star of Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis, he liked that tweet. So we're going to try and get Sudeikis on the show, even though him liking a tweet of mine does not help the chances of getting him on the show one bit, realistically. So that's what we got. Craig Wolfley at 3.30, Andy Benoit at 4.30, and a whole lot of football talk and Steeler talk. I'm Mark Madden, the super genius on 105.9 The X. Woo! Talk to the Nate this morning. His favorite team's the Chiefs this year. Whoever's the favorite, that's Ric Flair's favorite team. He might even admit that at this point in his life. Okay, here it is, my official prediction for the Steelers' season, which is always within one game. I should have hyped it more before the commercial break. The over-under in Vegas for the Steelers' win total is 9.5. If I could, I'd pick 9.5. Here's what needs to happen for the Steelers to win the division. They got to start out 2 and 0. Because the New York Football Giants and Denver both suck. So the Steelers got to win their first two games. The top part of their schedule is weeks 3 through 9 with the bye week in there. They play Houston at Tennessee, Philadelphia, Cleveland, at Baltimore and at Dallas. The Steelers got to go 4 and 2 over that stretch and get to the halfway point of the season at 6 and 2. 
If you can't go four and two over a tough six weeks, then you're not a great football team. You're not capable of winning your division, let alone the Super Bowl. So you got to start out two and zero. You got to win four out of six over your toughest stretch, and you got to sweep both games with Baltimore. The Steelers play the Ravens on October 25th at Baltimore and Thanksgiving night at Pittsburgh. That's what the Steelers got to do. All of the above. Start out 2-0, go 4-2 and over the next six games, which is their toughest stretch, and sweep both games with Baltimore. Got to do all of it. Two out of three, won't cut it. But that's not picking a number. It's not predicting a record. I was going to say nine wins. But all the rah-rah has me conned into saying 10. I'm picking 10 and 6, and I hate myself for picking 10 and 6. I believe it's going to be 9 and 7, but I'm picking 10 and 6 anyway. Uh, By the way, the Steelers are closer to 9 wins than they are to 11. Much closer. So I'm going 10 and 6, and the people who are saying 12 wins, that's absurd. The people who are saying legit Super Bowl contender, that's absurd. The Steelers could grow into that if Ben revisits his peak and T.J. Watt wins Defensive Player of the Year. Could, but it's a long shot. So any hoodles, the Steelers will go 10-6 and six and get a wild card. And if they play Kansas City in the playoffs, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The Chiefs would cut the Steelers to ribbons. Ask Ric Flair. If the Steelers in Kansas City played a best of 101 series, Kansas City would sweep in 51 games. I put up a poll on Twitter the other day. By the way, still no sponsor for Twitter polls. 4,000 to 5,000 people, sometimes more, respond to my Twitter polls. Imagine the exposure you would get by sponsoring at Mark Madden X Twitter poll. I have a hundred and, how many is it now? 114.8 thousand followers. This is a great business opportunity for each and every one of you, and you could pay me cash. So I wouldn't have to, de- anyway, uh, inquire within or email supergenius at wxdx.com. The poll the other day, to which 46,047 responded. Imagine how your business would benefit if 46,047 people Looked it right in the eye via my Twitter. Okay, so 49% said the Steelers would win either 9 or 10 games. 35% said the Steelers would win either 11 or 12 games. 8 or less said the Steelers would win, excuse me, uh, 12% said the Steelers would win 8 or less games. And 4%, the totally insane among you, said the Steelers would win 13 or more games. So that's my official prediction. Write it down. You heard it here. The Steelers will go 10-6 and and get a wild card. Can they grow into a Super Bowl contender? Tell me what they have to do to do that. I said Ben revisits his prime. His arm's 100%. Like I said, keep your eye on that sideline route, that that, that zip to the uh, sideline, that pass. Can Ben make that? That's a tough pass. At 38, let alone coming off major reconstructive elbow surgery, I think he can, but I want to see that he can. And then again, 
And then TJ Watts, the uh, other wild card, can he be a uh, defensive player of the year? Because they could use that kind of season if that defense, which was great, might be the best if it's going to improve. And like I said, to go 10-6, and six, they got to start out, I mean, excuse me, to contend for the division title, they got to start out 2-0, and they got to win four of their next six, which is the toughest stretch of their schedule, and they got to sweep Baltimore. If you got in any argument, I can't imagine you would. Let's go to Mark in Georgia. Mark, very quickly, you're on the X. What's going on, Mark? How are you? Good. Hey, how does a Super Bowl champion like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs end up with such a wonderful running back? How did that happen? Because 31 other teams passed him up. Wow. And did you not see him? Did well, you not see him in the? I, uh, I, I was hoping the Steelers could get him. Uh, with their first pick, but he obviously was never going to drop the second round, it turns out. Keep keep this in mind. In football especially, whoever wins rookie of the year, it's about where he goes, not who he is. If like Let's say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would have got picked by Jacksonville. He'd be in witness protection within a couple weeks. No one would know who he is. And maybe for the duration of his stay in Jacksonville. But Kansas City where he's not the primary threat, and it's such a fast offense, and he's just as fast, again, perfect fit. Okay, it's the best football talk in time. It's Craig Wolfley next on 105.9. It's now time for the best football talk in time because joining me for the return of his weekly segment during Steelers season is all-time Steelers great Craig Wolfley. Wolf, part of me can't believe the NFL's playing. The league has handled the pandemic pretty well, hasn't it? There's no question about it, Mark. I mean, when you had gone back a couple months ago, I was really questioning whether you're even going to be able to get this thing launched. Look, if you've got problems with Major League Baseball being able to get teams out on the field and play for more than two or three games in a row, and let's face it, the biggest huddle up they got is that at the home plate or whatever. <laughs> How in the world are you going to be able to manage this, you know, with players face to face? Uh, crashing into each other, but I think they've done a great job in providing a, a safe place for the players. Now, I want to talk Steelers O-line right off the bat, your position and specialty. Mm. What is the current state of that Steelers O-line? you got new starters at three different positions on Monday night at New York. Yeah, that's a little less than optimal. If you uh, you know look at the way that Steelers line has operated in the last several years, but there's a few things that are, to me, uh, key about it. Number one is you got Marquise Pouncey, who in my mind is going to go down as one of the great centers uh, in football and, and, and Hall of Fame at some point in time when he's ready to step off and do his five years of you know just being away from the game and then come out and get a jacket. Uh, unfortunately, Dave DeCastro might not be there. Doesn't look like he could be. I don't know yet what it, what it is, what's going to happen with him. Uh, but you have Stefan Wisniewski. Now, the good thing about Stefan is this is a plug-and-play guy who's no stage is too big for him. He's been plug-and-played into the two of the biggest games ever in the Super Bowl and been able to be on the winning side. So he's got no problems with that. I've watched him. He's, a, he's an excellent player. The guy that you, you, you worry a little bit about, uh, and I don't think it's going to be Matt Filer at left guard, it's going to be Zach Banner. And I think Zach has got the opportunity to grab the brass ring be the starter, be that guy, and it's a big gulp of air when you realize that. And I know Zach has uh, pretty much said that. You know, when you listen and read between the lines, 
He understands where he's at, and he understands the great opportunity. I think he's going to do fine, but this is always about young man proving where he's at. And then, of course, you got Al. Al came into camp, and i got to tell you something, man. He looked terrific. He was big, broad. He was rugged, and I just I can't say enough about how I thought Al had uh, responded over the pandemic to get himself some quality work in whatever he was doing. He obviously has been doing some work with a squat bar and manhole covers going up <laughs> and down the same place. Well, I want to stay with Banner for a second, and I give him all the credit in the world for winning the job because his career has taken the, the proverbial long and winding road, even at a young age. Now, do you think that's for keepsies, or can Chuk still get in there? Oh, there's no doubt this is not settled in stone. I mean, I, I, I will tell you this. Uh, you, you're going to end up, and you always want your five best on the field. If for some reason it would mean Steph Wisniewski plays terrific, uh, Chooks, or I'm sorry, not Chooks, but Zach struggles, and you're not really, mm, is, is, is Chooks the answer? Hey, there's no problem with moving Matt Filer back out there, putting Steph in, in at left guard, and uh, when the, Dave DeCastro was all healthy and, and, and cabin at it. So, I mean, trust me, when I say this, I, I do believe sincerely that they're going to put their five best out there regardless at some point, given that this works itself out over the next couple of weeks. But I have very a great deal of confidence in Zach Banner that he is the man ready for this moment in time to grab the bull by the horn, so to speak. Are you worried about David DeCastro? Uh, he's barely practiced, and obviously he's one of the best talents at guard in football. But, but sometimes at that age, Wolf, you get so broke you can't get fixed very easily. Well, that's true. And being one of those guys that got broke a, a little bit more towards the <laughs> well, end. Well, I, I wanted to let on. you say that, Wolf. <laughs> it's okay, brother. You know, we, we, it is what it is, as they say. So the fact is, you know, for David, that it is worrisome. But, uh, again, as far as how it goes, for, if he could simply get out on the field um, that night, I wouldn't have a problem with it, given the fact that he's able to run and move. Now, is this worse than what they're letting on? I don't know. That's the uncomfortable part about the whole thing. Just how bad is this knee injury? Because a knee injury to a guard who's got a pull, who runs, who gets out on the hoof like David does, his search and destroying missions are pretty impressive. So if there's something that's hampering his speed and his ability to get out and around and turn up on the field, that's going to be problematic. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But certainly, if David in any way, shape, or form is ready to go and he just walks out there on Monday night, I got no problems with that because he's been there, done that enough. What about that Giants O-line? It's not a stellar group, but uh, there's a star behind it. Saquon Barkley doesn't need much space, does he? No, he doesn't. You're right on it, though. You take a look at that offensive line, and you know, you've know you got a rookie starting at left tackle, and you've got a, pretty much a traveling dude in Cameron Fleming starting at the right tackle. Uh, I, I do like uh, Kevin Zeitler. I think he's probably the best guy up front. Will Hernandez, their left guard, is uh, you know he's he's one of those guys. He's um, he's about six three and three thirty. I mean he's he's a pachyderm, all right. And it's good. He's one of those plow horses in the middle. But I really think when you talk about the fact, here, here's what I heard the other day: Daniel Jones, the quarterback, likes to hold on to the ball. He's a tough guy. He's going to hang on to that ball and he's going to wait, and he's going to throw it downfield. And then I heard somebody say, I'm not sure they can protect him. Now, if I'm a defensive guy, I'm not going, oh, 
Yeah, okay. You hang on to that ball, Daniel Jones. Yeah, because I'm going to have that that left tackle, Bud Dupree. I'm going to have that that left tackle and see what I can do because he should be able to rain down some hits over that young buck playing at the left tackle spot. Well, and it's worth noting, too, that Daniel Jones fumbled 18 times in 13 games last year, so perhaps the Steelers can put the ball on the carpet like they were so adept at last year. Now, when the Steelers have the ball, can they run it? Because it's a passing league, Wolf, but it's weird. It's a passing league, but you absolutely still have to be able to run the ball, don't you? No question about it. And this is why I always talk about the fact that all roads lead to seven. You know, I mean, it really is all about who's playing that quarterback spot. You don't have a sniff for the postseason play if you don't have a franchise quarterback. And when you got a Hall of Famer, you got more than a sniff, and that's what you got with Ben. Ben stepping back in the lineup means that every quarterback can't play press just arbitrarily. Ben stepping up into the lineup means you can't simply drop an eighth guy, ninth guy into the box and, 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 and you know, try to uh, operate with that punching you right in the grill. You've got to be able to stand back, and you can't go one safety high all the time because Ben's going to kill you, and they know it. And his arm, that's why I'm so excited, you know, him going three days in a row, whatever, four days in a row, it, that's important. You know, you know his arm is just fine and it's ready to cut loose Monday night. So I'm excited about the fact that he's able to step in there. Just his presence alone, being, a, being able to operate that offense and being able to show the people all that good rehab work was not gone to waste. He, he's large and in charge, and he knows how to get it done. We're talking to Craig Wolfley here on 105.9 The X. Now, one more thing about Ben, and I agree with everything you've said. He looks great. He's in great shape. He was throwing the ball very well at camp. But I want to see him zip the ball to the sideline when the bullets are flying because that's the key test for him coming back, isn't it? It is. Mark, you know, I can tell you, when I blew up my ACL, okay, uh, the hardest and scariest hit I took that year because I still ended up, they cut it out and I played 11 games that year. So the, the hardest and scariest hit that I took on that knee was the very first time I got hit in practice, you know, and that was worrisome. And then the next scariest was when I get first got hit in a game. All right. That's where Ben's at now. Now it's about what happens when he takes that, the, the doink to the shoulder or gets railed into the ground. Does he bounce back up from it? That's where, like you said, let him zip it with the, everything flying for real. Let him zip the ball and, and see how it goes. Also, let him take a hit, see how that goes. But this I do know, and this is what I'm excited about. In a game like this, two of the keys I think to this game are whatever team can ramp up the fastest to game speed. You know, it's not practice. It's not preseason. This is game. This is the big platform. This is Monday Night Football. Well, Ben, he's won two out of three Super Bowls. That's the biggest platform you can get. And the other thing about it is I believe – Whatever team gets comfortable in an uncomfortable situation the fastest. Let's face it, you're going into a cavernous 80,000-seat stadium that's got no people in it. <laughs> it's going to be weird, okay? But Ben, think about his first start. His first start, he was born in the aftermath of a hurricane. That's what his first start was. I think he's going to operate and be, get comfortable first, no doubt about it. Now, I'm looking to see how good they are in the red zone because – Last year they were last in the red zone without Ben. The year before they were first in the red zone with Ben. And now you got Ebron, you got Claypool, you got some vertical guys. 
But you got some quick horizontal guys too. And and Wolf, you need both in the red zone, don't you? No question about it, because the vertical guys can stretch a little bit of window. The underneath guys can stretch it from the other way. And you create a little bit of area to carve out for each other. I like the fact that you got Eric Ebron. You know, some guys just have that knack, Mark. They know where to go to get themselves open. Guys just have it. I, I, you know, you can't really say he's a touchdown maker. Uh, he's the, but this is a guy, Eric Ebron, that when he gets around the end zone, uh, end zone there, for whatever reason, he can get himself free. He's just got that knack of, um, finding a way to free himself up. If Ben and he get a hot streak going, uh, I certainly think that it's a, it's a great thing to see. I think it's going to be one of those needed things. You need to be successful in the red zone. Let's face it. If Ben can stake that defense, uh, the Steelers have to a, you know, a nice 21 point lead, make Daniel Jones throw coming from behind with that defense coming after him. I'm telling you what, that's like, that's like feeding a leg of lamb to a tank full of piranha at dinner time, right? Have at it, boys. Go get them. And so I, I think that the, all these things coming together, right now it feels like a good start for the Steelers coming up. Let's jump to Claypool, the, the rookie from Notre Dame, the receiver. No OTAs, no mini camp, no preseason games, and a short camp. But it seems like the Steelers coaches trust him, and Ben trusts him too, don't he? No question. You know, this is what I call the Canadian effect this year, okay? <laughs> between The secret sauce for the Monday night game to me is between what night what Matt Canada brings to Randy Feetner and what Chase Claypool brings to Ben Roethlisberger. I think there's an awful lot there. You think about this. I don't know that, that Chase Claypool is going to be dominant targets. Uh, I don't think you can just simply say his receptions and yards are going to determine whether he had a good game or bad game. I think the knowledge that this guy is 6'4", almost 6'5", 240 pounds, that's tight end size. A four-four with a forty-inch vertical. Uh, I can't help but think if you split him out, that safety over the top is going to be leaning his way big time. And I think anytime you start creating a draft or a wake, such as a four-four guy can do, especially a six-four guy who you know sometimes put him out there and let him run long and just chuck the ball and see if you can get a pass interference because you know your average six-one corner is going to struggle to stay up with a 6'4", 240-pound guy. And by the way, let's remember, this is a 6'4", 240-pound guy who I saw one time in practice when Joe Hayden got in his mustache uh, right at the line of scrimmage in press. He clubbed him out of the way so bad that when Chase Claypool left the line of scrimmage, Joe Hayden was not in front of him. Okay, (laughs) that's a pretty good club. So I'm excited about what Chase Claypool can do. I think Ben's already got some good uh, you know, that, uh, like, ESPN-type thing going on, you know, in his gourd. And I think that, uh, you know, Matt Canada brings some interesting possibilities to add to what Randy Feetner might want to do. Now, the Giants have struggled the past three years, 12 wins in that stretch, but I do like Joe Judge, the new coach, and they're using a defense with three safeties. It's kind of a, a, a tricky look. Uh, how will Ben deal with that? Well, you know, it depends on who they match up. This is what's going to be kind of exciting and why I'm kind of bummed that, you know what, you, the, the, I would love to be on the sidelines for this game. Unfortunately, we can't because of the restrictions the NFL has put into place. But seeing what's going to happen on the sidelines, how Butts is going to make 
uh, his response to whatever Joe Judge puts out there. It's going to be interesting, or whatever Randy Feetner sees Joe Judge put out there. Because the fact of the matter is, nobody knows because nobody's got any film on these guys. Nobody has any idea, Zippo, nada, of what Joe Judge is going to do other than, you know, they have some film on Saquon Barkley from last year, which I'm sure Devin Bush has been devouring and, and some of the other guys. But how they respond is going to be interesting because, as Randy said, you know, the first couple of series, we're going to, you know, test out some guys, throw some people out, make sure we understand who is lining up with who and what matchups we can exploit. I said this before, you know, unknowns, they're, they're, they're a little bit tough. Small unknowns can be, should be small unknowns. Like the time when uh, I remember in the early 80s when uh, our uh, offensive line coach said, we're, uh, you know, at the pregame meal said, here's our first series. This scripted up the first series. The first play was a toss 32 trap. Well, he says, we're going to run right at this new kid from the USFL, this kid called Reggie White. <laughs> okay. I can tell you that one didn't end well for me. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, you know, it's an unknown. I see the Steelers as a playoff team, Wolf, a wild card. What has to happen to get them to the next level, like to challenge for the division title and be a, a contender for, to make the Super Bowl? Well, I think we've got to see that consistent quarterback play come back into the Steelers' uh, offense, and that's what you're going to get with Ben. I think we need to establish that running game, as you talked about. Again, when you can't simply drop an eighth man, ninth man into the box, all right, because of the fact that Ben can go over the top of you, you're going to have a better opportunity to run the ball. I think that um, Chase Claypool brings a lot of speed that's going to be exciting to see. I think you got the opportunity to have uh, what Tunch calls thunder and lightning. So you've got Vance McDonald, Derek Ebron, two tights. That's something you can operate with, even three tight end stuff, and uh, some additions on the offense that, you know, uh, however – Randy Feetner decides to do the shiny things that make the opposite defense kind of take notice and get their eyes like wandering. That's the type of stuff you want to see. Then defensively, if that offense can put some points on the board, that defense, think about it, 38 takeaways, you've got 54 sacks. Stephon Tuitt is back in the saddle. That could be, a, if everybody played like last year, it would be an over 60 sack year, which would be phenomenal. And the fact of the matter is, you know, this defense playing from uh, a lead, yeah, Zooks, who knows what they can do. And finally, Wolf, you're the sideline reporter. You can't be on the sideline. How are you going to deal with that? I'm going to be in the first row when uh, we're at home. Now, you know, <laughs> my only problem with that, like I said, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to be by myself, make sure there's a vendor there. Let me get a dog, huh? Let me get a, a hamburger if I'm going to be in the front row. So I don't know how it's going to turn out, brother. I'm excited. Football's back. Let's go Steelers. There you go. Well, thank you so much. This is always great talk, and we'll do it again next week. Enjoy the game Monday night. You betcha, my friend. Thank you. That is Craig Wolfleet. We're going to have him every Monday through Steelers season. That really is the best football talk in Pittsburgh. Although, Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated at 4.30, that's going to come awful close. Okay, we got the ratings for Thursday night football. The TV ratings... I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Well, I'm killing that line today, aren't I? And don't forget, Ben Hoyt next hour, 105.9.
Today is the anniversary of uh, 9-11, a terrible day in American history. And maybe it effed our country up for good. Because, boy, we are a lost nation. Absolutely lost right now. Anyway, here's remembering those we lost. Okay, the ratings are in for last night's primetime NFL opener on network television between Kansas City and Houston. Kansas City defending Super Bowl champs. Two-star quarterbacks going at it. Mahomes versus Watson. An exciting game. Kansas City, the sexiest football team going. The most fun to watch. The rating from last year's opener dropped by 2.4 million people. That is a cataclysmic drop. It went from 22.7 million to 20.3 million. And uh, some people are making excuses saying, well, the NBA was on, but their ratings are down too. The NHL was on, but nobody watches them in the first place. That is a cataclysmic drop, and this might not be the most popular thing to say, but this is a backlash to the saturation of sports with social justice. I don't know how anybody could conclude otherwise. Last night, the small crowd of Kansas City, when they had the Unity showbiz thing, Lincoln Arms, before the game, they booed. They booed. And they're not booing Unity. Nobody's against Unity. They're just saying, can you just play football? And uh, Adam Crowley is among those who thinks that the NBA and NHL took the audience away. And he cites a survey which says that 56% of people are for the inclusion of social justice in sports. You know what that means? 44% aren't. And that's a big number of people. I'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Coast to Coast brought to you by CW Electrical Services and by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Uh, Monday Night Football features the Steelers and Giants, but there's two games. In the uh, number one broadcast team of Steve Levy, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick will be doing the other game. That's a good broadcast team. I'm a big fan of of Levy especially, but really nobody turns on a game to watch announcers anymore, hear announcers. It's it's all about the game. It's all about football. It's all about fantasy league. It's all about gambling, and that's just the cold hard facts. The last announcer anybody tuned in because of, the last announcer who created destination viewing was, speaking of Monday Night Football, Howard Cosell, and that's a long, long time ago. I was watching the pregame for Dallas and Vegas, the Western Conference Final in hockey, and the awards, the NHL awards, they're starting to be given out. Last night was the Selkie Trophy for Best Defensive Forward. And they showed all the finalists, and there was a video package for each, and all the highlights were offensive highlights, goals and assists, for the award for Best Defensive Forward. Sean Couturier of Philadelphia won it, and that's all he won. Have you ever seen the Flyers win the Cup? 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Up next, I'm going to tell you what defines a real stealer in my eyes. And I'm going to wonder, and you will too, if these stealers have enough real stealers.
It's the Mark Man Show, 105.9 The X.